Well, let's talk about some more things that you're going to talk about in the state of the city, if you wouldn't mind. I mean, I know that your father was a police officer, so you've got an insight into that world that a lot of us don't have, and you plan to do some things along those lines for St. Paul uh, Police and Public Safety. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I believe a safe, nurturing, healthy community is really the the foundation upon which all of our aspirations for a neighborhood must be built. Uh, I also think that we have kind of done it wrong for a generation. You know, looking back to the 80s when, you know, everyone was preparing for this generation of juvenile super predators, which is just a crazy phrase in the first place. You know, we, we bought into this notion that, you know, essentially bigger jails plus, you know, more cops plus tougher prosecutors would equal safer neighborhoods. That logic has failed us over and over and over again. And, and we keep as a country just doubling down on that same failed logic, which I think is a profound mistake. Not only is it not working, it's actually the, 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 the approach that is over-criminalizing and destabilizing and marginalizing whole segments of our population. It has to stop. And so our Community First Public Safety Initiative says, you know what, it starts with, you know, building the inv- building safe environments. It starts with our public safety strategy, uh, starts with investing in our neighborhood resources like our libraries and our recreation centers that can help us connect people to opportunity and prevent crime from happening in the first place. It really requires having officers like my father who, you know, my father grew up in St. Paul and knows the neighborhoods and knows every nook and cranny of the city and knows the pastors and knows the rec leaders and, you know, has a real stake in the neighborhood. You know, I, I tell folks every chance I get that, you know, if, if, if lives are on the line and if it's important that our officers uh, help are able to help us in a moment's notice fix the things that are wrong in the city, you know, we all do better. We're all better off if they wake up in the morning knowing what's right in this city. So that's mm-hmm. pretty critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're focused uh, pretty heavily on investing in the trust, the trust that exists between our officers and our neighbors is our most valuable uh, and our most fragile public safety asset. Mm-hmm. You know, the same as any relationship, trust that, that takes a decade to build, a generation to build, can be broken in a heartbeat. And so focusing on that trust and really investing and reinvesting in that trust, every chance that we get is going to be critical. When I uh, got sworn in, uh, I promised to work with our police chief to uh, review and revise our city's uh, use of force policies that govern when and how officers are and are not authorized to use force. Uh, We, you know, produced a set of draft policies uh, back in late January, spent uh, almost two months reviewing those with community feedback. Um, I'm really proud of that. I, I don't. I haven't seen any example anywhere in the country where a community has been invited in to help say we need a set of uh, use of force policies that we can all kind of get behind and we can all be on the same page. And we finalized that policy last week. So I'm glad that we are able to check that off our list. The world is so much different. We need to invite people into conversation at coffee shops and, and, you know, into conversation with the city, but also into conversation with each other. We can do that through kind of our neighborhood watering holes, you know, the coffee shops and the libraries and those types of spaces. We can do that through kind of programming like this. Uh, We can do that through technology. There's all kinds of tools and resources available to facilitate that dialogue. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. I I, uh, read an article last week in the Star Tribune saying that some 250,000 people have moved to the metro area in the last eight years. 20,000 have moved. So we were uh, at the 2010 census, we had about 200 
384,000 people in the city. Uh, we're up to just over 305,000. In St. So, Paul proper. Yep, yep. Yeah. And so in the last uh, eight years, we've had tw- over 20,000 people move in. That's that's a lot. Yeah. And so that, that brings up transportation issues right. and housing that's and right. all kinds of things I'm sure you've thought about a lot. So Infrastructure, education, I mean, that, that brings up a, a whole lot of issues for us. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our city is transforming. And change is hard and change is scary, and I'll be the first to admit it. Our family literally lost everything when the freeway came in and uprooted our old neighborhood. Uh, and change is the future. And so, you know, figuring out how uh, to foresee some of those changes, how to think about right now, you know, what our children are going to be looking for, what kind of community our children are going to be looking for when it comes time for them to decide where to plant their business or where to plant their family and continuing to our our push to be that space uh, is going to be critical for us. Sure. You know, another major aspect of our campaign was raising the minimum wage. As So the, the three core pillars of our administration, our administration is built uh, on three core pillars laid on top of three uh, values. Our core values are equity, innovation, and resilience. Everything that we do as a city, we have to know that we're doing it for everyone, that we're doing it uh, for every person in every part of our city. We have to know who we're serving and what they're looking for from us and constantly get better, you know, focus on getting better and getting even better at, pro- at, 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 at producing that value. Uh, and we have to focus on the future. We have to do everything that we do uh, with a focus on sustainability and a focus on navigating and harnessing the changes that our city is, is, is in experiencing in ways that build our future. The three pillars that we're building all of our work around are education, which we talked about, public safety, which we talked about, and economic justice. Uh, Economic justice is so critical for us. When we think about economic development in a community, uh, for the longest time, it's really been focused around, you know, how do we find a business in the suburbs and, you know, give them some kind of subsidy to move into the community. Right now in the Twin Cities metro area, for every 10 job openings, we only have eight job seekers. And so we can, you know, create jobs all we want. We could create, you know, 20 job openings for eight job seekers until we start identifying and eliminating the barriers that uh, exclude people from our workforce and exclude people from our local economy, then we're, our, our whole economy is still going to be just arrested. And so that's why our focus is on transportation, making it easier for people to get to work. Early childhood so that people don't have to make the decision between uh, working and finding a place they can afford to you know, send their children during the day. Um, education to make sure that you know, we're, we're preparing our, our communities for the jobs that exist, the job openings that exist out there right now, um, and even criminal justice reform because right now one in five Minnesotans have something that could come up on a criminal background check and we just can't be a thriving regional economy while disenfranchising 20% of our potential workforce. Uh, we talked a little bit about affordable housing, but all of that for me starts uh, uh, an initiative that, that, that focuses all of that, starts with just making work pay. And so you know, we've talked a lot over the past year about raising the minimum wage so that no one who works full time is ever stuck living in poverty. Uh, I'm gonna be the mayor that signs into law in St. Paul a $15 minimum wage, uh, and I'm intent on being that mayor this year. Any final thoughts or anything I missed largely that you'd really like me to? You know, I I, I said the date of our state of the city. I didn't say the date and time. Uh, Our state of the city is going to be Saturday, April 14th. 
uh, starting at 9 o'clock a.m. I think the doors open at 8.30, uh, but the, the, the summit will start at 9 o'clock a.m. and it'll be at Johnson High School on the east side of St. Paul. So we're really inviting people to come out. We need your voice. You know, we, we, uh, the, the way we approach governance is uh, that we just can't do it by ourselves from City Hall. We need the engagement of people in our community. We need the engagement of people in our city. There's a lot of energy in our community right now, and some of that energy is frustration uh, about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and what's going on in the world and what's going on at the state capitol. And I invite every single person who has some energy about the state of the world right now to come and use that energy productively to help us prove in St. Paul that, you know, the, the, what we're hearing in Washington, D.C. is that if, if somebody looks different and talks different and worships different than you, that that person's probably the problem. Uh, we can show that our diversity is our greatest strength. We're going to build our community. We're going to build our economy. We're going to build our future based on that foundation. Wonderful. Well, Maya Carter, thank you so much for your time today. It was a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm excited for you and St. Paul and just the growth of everything. I think it's going to be a wonderful match. I appreciate that greatly. (laughs) I'm going to go get in the car and listen to some Clifford Brown. That sounds great. (laughs)